Amen. Well, please take your Bibles, and if you'll turn with me at this time to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17 in just a moment. But today we're beginning a new message series uh, called Biblical Foundations. Biblical Foundations. You know, the Bible's a big book, isn't it? Some of you know that. You said, man, I've, I've tried to read this thing. It's big. There's a lot in there. Uh, it's got a lot of teachings. But you know, there are at least seven areas of teaching that are so important. They're so essential to the Christian faith that we can truly call them foundational teachings. And these core essential truths of the Bible, they're so important that we adopted them as our church statement of faith. And I'd like you to do something for me. If you've got your worship guide, if you'll open that up and take it out, there's an insert there. On one side, there's an outline of the message. But on the other side, you'll see our statement of faith. And uh, this faith is a, a statement of faith. We adopted it from the National Association of Evangelical Statement of Faith. It's an organization which represents more than 45,000 local churches from about 40 different denominations. And so when you look at this statement of faith, a lot of churches say, this is what we believe. And once again, it's the core essentials. We don't get into minor points of doctrine, but the major things uh, that we believe. And we're calling this series Biblical Foundations uh, because these seven core teachings, they are foundational. They're foundational to everything else that we do and believe as a church. You probably look at the statement of faith and say, that's a lot of words. I can't read that right now. Let me summarize it for you uh, up here on the screen. Here are the seven areas of teaching up here. The Bible, God, Jesus, salvation, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection, and the church. Okay, you can't get much more basic than that. And together, these areas form the core historical, biblical truths upon which Christianity and the church are founded. These are the basic bedrock truths of the Bible. They are all clearly taught in Scripture. They are all clearly understood by all who care to understand. These are what we might call the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. And so we're going to take some time this week and over the next seven weeks uh, to look at each one of these uh, in depth. And today we begin with the Bible, the Bible. So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look into your word this morning and and, uh, learn about the Bible, Lord, I pray that uh, you would not only teach us about your word, but you would teach us through your word, and indeed you would help us to grow to love your word uh, even more in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. So we're going to be looking at our church statement of faith over the the next number of weeks, and today we begin with the Bible. And so I want to read to you the the first section from our statement of faith. You can see it on that insert, either on the statement of faith itself, but I'd actually encourage you to turn over to the other side where you'll find an outline uh, of our whole message uh, uh, this morning. And uh, you'll find the statement right there at the top. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative Word of God. Let me read that again. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, 
the only infallible, authoritative Word of God. That's a, that's a fairly simple, direct statement, but you know, there are a lot of important truths uh, that are really uh, packed into that one sentence. So we want to unpack those together. We want to examine this statement. We want to test it against Scripture and see why the Bible itself is one of the foundational beliefs of Christianity. Once again, I encourage you to follow along on the outline in your worship guide. The first part of our statement simply says this, we believe the Bible. In other words, the Bible is the sole basis of our belief. You might wonder this morning, well, why are we beginning with the Bible instead of with God, right? And that's a great question. God is certainly prior to the Bible. He comes first. We don't worship the Bible. We worship God. So why do we begin this morning, and why does our statement of faith begin with the Bible instead of with God? Well, it's not because the Bible is more important than God, right? Without God, we wouldn't have a Bible. But without the Bible, we would not have a true understanding of God. You know what we'd have? We would have your opinion, my opinion, and then just pretty much everyone else's, right? God has chosen to reveal himself to us through the word, through the Bible. And so it's through the Bible that we gain true knowledge of God. We begin with the Bible because the Bible is the sole basis of our belief, not only about God, but about all of these other foundational truths too, right? We just put them on the screen about Jesus, salvation, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection, the church. And yes, the Bible is also the sole basis of our belief about the Bible. You know, a lot of people get confused by that. They, well, how, how can the Bible be the, your basis of belief in the Bible? Isn't that circular? They sometimes accuse us of circular logic. And they'll they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, the conversation goes like this. Why do you believe the Bible? Because it's God's word. How do you know the Bible is God's word? Because it says so. How do you know what the Bible says is true? Because it's God's word. Well, how do you know the Bible is God's word? Because it says so. And you can see how that conversation could get really frustrating quickly. So the question is, do we have evidence that the Bible is God's word beyond the fact that it says so? And the answer is yes, of course we do. Uh, God did not just give us his word without any way to substantiate its claims. Let me just give you a couple evidences this morning. One evidence is the marvelous harmony of Scripture. The Bible was written by approximately 36 different writers over a period of nearly 16 centuries. You get 36 people together in a room and try to get them to agree on anything, that's going to be a challenge, isn't it? And yet the Bible represents one unified message from beginning to end, a message that gradually unfolds in the Old Testament and finds completion in the New. There are no contradictions in Scripture. The whole Bible testifies to the work of a single author. That is amazing evidence that the Bible is truly the Word of God. And then another evidence we have is fulfilled prophecy. Fulfilled prophecy. We read this in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, Above all, 
you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible contains thousands of detailed prophecies which were precisely fulfilled in later years. Some of these prophecies pertain to individuals. Some were directed towards entire nations. Over 300 of these prophecies relate directly to Christ. Many of these prophecies were given centuries in advance of their fulfillment. You can read the prophecy as it was given in Scripture, and then you can see the fulfillment as it took place in history. This is an extremely powerful evidence that the Bible is truly God's word. No other sacred writing from any religion authenticates itself the way the Bible does through fulfilled prophecy. And so the Bible is the sole basis of our belief. We do not base our belief on our own thoughts or our own ideas. We base our beliefs solely on what God has told us through the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be reading anything else, okay? You'll be able to find encouragement and inspiration from other writings. I, I, I read good Christian books all the time. I enjoy that. But only the Bible is the Word of God. Other books may contain truth. Only the Bible is truth. And you must test all truth according to the Bible. Always go back to God's word. When you hear a teaching from someone anywhere, even from here in this pulpit, always ask yourselves, what does the Bible say? Does this line up with scripture? So that's our first point this morning. The Bible is God's word and therefore is the sole basis of our belief. Of course, this uh, leads very naturally to a second question, right? If the Bible is the sole basis of our belief, then what's the Bible? What books are in the Bible? How do we know what books should be in there? This is the question of what we call canon. Canon, that's canon with one end in the middle, right? If it's it's two ends, that's the thing that shoots out the cannonballs, okay? This is canon with one end. It comes from the Greek word canon. That's one spelled with a K, K K-A-N-O-N. It's a word which simply means a measuring rod. Or a ruler, something that you measure something with. So just as you use a ruler to measure other objects, this word canon as applied to scripture means the measure of those books which the early church recognized as truly belonging to scripture. And this becomes important uh, because Christians and Jews, we each have our own canons, okay? For example, Jews recognize 39 books in their canon. The 39 books of the Old Testament. Protestant Christians, uh, we recognize 66 books as Scripture. The 39 books of the Old Testament plus the 27 books of the New Testament. The Catholic Church recognizes 73 books as Scripture. 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books in the New, plus an an additional 7 books Uh, taken from a collection known as the Apocrypha. We'll come back to the Apocrypha in just a minute or two. Then you've got other groups who think, well, these books should be in the Bible also. So who's right? How do you know which books belong in the Bible? Let's take just a few moments to talk about that. Let's begin with the Old Testament canon. And for for me, this one's easy. 
Because all three major groups who use the Bible, Protestants, Catholics, and Jews, all three agree that these 39 books of the Old Testament, these are scripture. All three agree this is part of the canon. These are the books which God gave to the nation of Israel uh, through the prophets over a period of more than a thousand years. These 39 books were completed 400 years before the birth of Christ. And Jesus himself affirmed the Jewish scriptures as the very word of God. So that's the Old Testament. That one's, that one's easy. Well, how about the New Testament? How do we know which books belong in the New Testament? Well, the books in our New Testament were all written uh, uh, in the first century, in those years immediately following the death and resurrection of Christ. But you know, before Jesus left his disciples to go back to heaven, He told them some things about the New Testament that was yet to come. He prepared us for this. And you find a lot of this in the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, and 16. We're just going to look at a a few verses. First of all, from John chapter 14, he said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And you're going to see, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth over and over again here. The Spirit of truth, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's John 14. John 15, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father. He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. I'm still reading John 14. Let's go to John 15. When the Counselor comes, that's better. Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. Then John 16, Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Put this all together. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying this, saying, disciples, I've got more things I need to tell you. But this isn't the right time. And they're probably wondering, well, you you just said you're leaving us. What are you going to tell us? When the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will make it known to you. He will speak words of truth from God directly to you. And then you must testify to what the Holy Spirit says. And you know what? That is exactly what happened, right? The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the New Testament books even as he inspired the writers of the Old Testament books. Just as the Old Testament bears witness to itself as Scripture, the New Testament also bears witness to itself as Scripture. The Apostle Peter calls Paul's writings Scripture. He says they're Scripture. Paul quotes the Gospel of Luke as Scripture. And the early church recognized these 27 books very early on as inspired by God. And then it was only when people were trying to add other books in the year A.D. 397, they officially canonized these 27 books as Scripture along with the 39 books of the Old Testament. So there's our Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. What about that Apocrypha? Real quick, the Apocrypha uh, is a collection of writings, 14 books. They were all written after the Old Testament was completed, so after Malachi, and before the birth of Christ. So during those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. As we mentioned earlier, the Catholic Church does include seven of these books in their Bible. They also include a a few additions to the books of Esther and Daniel. So what do we make of the Apocrypha? Well, first of all, there's nothing particularly wrong with these Apocryphal books. 
Some of them provide some real valuable history and information about those four centuries before Christ. But just because there's good information in them, I've got a lot of books in my shelf that has good information in them, we should not consider them part of the Bible. Let me give you four reasons why. First of all, the Jews never accepted the Apocrypha as part of the Old Testament scriptures. Never. They had their scriptures, and they said the scriptures were completed with Malachi. Secondly, although the writers of the New Testament knew about all these books, they never quote any of them as scripture. They're constantly quoting the Old Testament as scripture. They said, the scripture says this. God said this in Isaiah. They make some reference to the apocryphal books. Just as Paul made reference to uh, some of the Greek poets and all, they reference to history or his illustrations, but they never quote them as scripture, whereas the Old Testament always quoting the Old Testament books as scripture. Thirdly, the apocryphal books sometimes contain some questionable accounts and questionable theology when compared with the true books of Scripture. Remember we said Scripture does not contradict itself. Once you start including the apocrypha, you're going to find some contradictions. And then fourthly, and for me this is really the clincher, our Lord Jesus Christ never viewed the apocryphal books as Scripture. He knew about them. They were all written before he was born. But when Jesus talked about the scriptures, he referred to the Jewish scriptures, the 39 books of the Old Testament. He used a threefold phrase which referred to those writings and those writings alone. So to sum up, Jesus, the early church, and the Jews never accepted uh, any of the Apocrypha as scripture. In fact, even the Catholic church did not do this for many years, for 1,500 years. They were not officially accepted into the canon uh, until the year 1546 at the Council of Trent. So I know that's a lot of history, a lot of information, but this is so important. What are the books of the Bible? They are the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. And so back to our statement of faith, when we say we believe the Bible, what do we mean? We mean the 66 books, Old and New Testament, nothing else. The Bible is the sole basis of our belief. Okay, two points down, two to go. Next, we need to look at infallibility. Infallibility, God's inspired words of inerrant truth. And the two key words here are inspired and infallible. Statement of faith, once again. We believe the Bible. We talked about that now. To be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God. That word infallible, that's a word we don't use every day. It simply means something that's perfect completely dependable, flawless. And these two words, infallibility and inspiration, they go together. The scriptures are infallible. Why? Because they're inspired. They're infallible because they are God's inspired words to man. We looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3 at the beginning. Let's go back to verse 16 now where Paul writes, all scripture is god breathed or some versions say all scripture is inspired and the word that's translated god breathed in this word it is a unique word it's a unique word which speaks to the uniqueness of scripture it tells us that the words of scripture come from where from the very breath or mouth of god now we are trained right in reading scholarship or journalism we are trained to look at the writer's sources right 
The writing is only good as your sources. The trustworthiness of any writer's material, only as good as the sources. Well, when it comes to the, to the Bible, when it comes to Scripture, you've got the ultimate source. Because God is the source for Scripture. God, who is all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, infallible, the God of absolute veracity and truth, you cannot get any better than that when it comes to sources. Someone might still object. They say, okay, you've got a perfect source. I'll give you that. God's perfect. You've got a perfect source. But what about the writers of Scripture? Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Well, if they weren't perfect, how can we trust that what they wrote down is what God wanted them to write? But that's where this other word comes in. Inspiration. Inspiration. Yes, God used imperfect men. Imperfect men to write down the words of Scripture, but the words they wrote were inspired, or God breathed. In other words, the Holy Spirit had a role in this. The Holy Spirit safeguarded the original writings from error and so secured a trustworthy and true revelation from God concerning himself and his works in history. God inspired the writers to write his words so that the words they wrote could truly be called the word of God. And so the scripture is infallible for two reasons. One, God, the source, is infallible, right? And then God worked through the process of inspiration to ensure that the final product was infallible. The words of scripture are inspired by God, and therefore they are perfect, completely dependable, flawless. Now we use another word also, inerrant. And we use that word inerrant to speak of the fact that in every word, God guided the writers into truth and protected them from error in what they wrote. Now, obviously, this this applies to the original writings, what they originally wrote. Uh, you, You can't take that principle and apply it to every translation of Scripture because there's some good translations and there's some bad translations out there too. And, you know, the the further a translation strays from being accurate, then, then it's no longer the Word of God, right? But to whatever extent a translation reflects the original inspired text, we can say that that translation truly speaks forth the Word of God to us in our own languages. And, you know, praise God, we have some of the best translations of scripture ever produced available today and so you can have full confidence as you read your bible that you are reading god's infallible word to you and there's a lot of good translations out there i'll just name a couple of them some of the the better ones out there we use the new international version here the english standard version is great new american standard version holman christian bible lots of them if, if you're if you're reading a translation you're not sure about it. it's like oh is this a good one Talk to me. We'll look at it together. I'll tell you if you've got a good translation or or maybe we'll find something else for you. But we've got wonderful translations of Scripture and so God's infallible, inspired, inerrant word is available to us today in our own language. Praise God. How many of you want to study Greek and Hebrew before you go home and read your Bible today? Not, Not a lot of us, right? Praise God we have translations. Finally, number four, we want to look at the authority of Scripture. Back to our statement, we believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God. We just saw that the scriptures are infallible. Why? Because they are inspired by God. And because they are infallible, 
Coming from God, they are also authoritative. The Bible is the authoritative word of God. Therefore, it is a reliable, a reliable guide for faith and practice. That means when the teaching of God's word comes into conflict with some other teaching or someone else's opinion or even the way that you may personally feel about an issue. God's word has full and final authority. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is flawless. Psalm 19, we read this earlier in the service, says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. God's word is perfect, trustworthy, radiant, and right. And what does it do for you when you fully trust its authority in your life? It revives your soul. It makes you wise. It gives joy to your heart. It brings light to your eyes. The scriptures are God's unique, full, and final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Notice we've got two things there, right? Faith and practice. Two ways that you may rely on the scripture. First, you may rely on the scripture's authority as far as what you believe. It's like, what should I believe? What do I, what do I need to believe? You've got the scriptures. They give you authoritative truth concerning such matters as God, Christ, sin, death, heaven, and hell. If you want to know the truth about all of these matters, what do you do? You read the Bible. If you want to test the truth, of someone's teaching or someone's opinion about anything. Read the Bible. The scriptures give you completely reliable and true information concerning all of these matters and more. And then secondly, God's word not only tells you what to believe, it also instructs you on how to live. God's word is the final authority for both faith and practice. God tells you in his word, uh, which actions are right and what actions are wrong. He gives you principles, biblical principles to live by which will protect you from harm and grant you a life of security and peace in him. When, when you're unsure uh, uh, what choices or decisions to make in life, look to the Bible, look to the teachings and the principles of Scripture to guide you. They are a fully reliable guide for all that you believe and all that you do. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God. So that's our first biblical foundation for our series, none other than the Bible itself. The Bible is our sole basis of belief. The canon of the Bible contains the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, nothing else. The scriptures are infallible. They are God's inspired words of inerrant truth. And therefore, the Bible is our uh, authority in life. It is a complete, completely trustworthy and reliable guide for faith and practice. I, I bet you, you can probably guess what the application is for today's message. Can, can anybody guess what the application for today's message is? 
And everybody, oh, there you go. You know, they got it at the first service too. You guys are amazing, right? Read the Bible, right? Read God's word. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Learn it. Read God's word daily. The Bible is the basic foundation for everything you do and believe as a Christian. It will give you true and reliable guidance for everyday life. life. And of course, it's going to point you to Jesus, right? Because the whole Bible points to Christ. And I love this. As you read the words of Scripture, you know what's going to happen? You will draw closer to God himself because these are his words. It's how he speaks to you. It's been said that the Bible is the only book whose author is always present when you read it. Have you ever thought about that? It's true. The Bible's the only book with the author. He's right there with you as you're reading his words. And as you read the Bible, God will speak his words lovingly to your heart if you will let him. As you spend time daily with God and his word, the scriptures will indeed revive your soul, make you wise, give joy to your heart, bring light to your eyes. So that's our application. Read God's word daily and you will build a solid foundation for your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Well, dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, the bread of life, your very word spoken to us, inspired, infallible, trustworthy, true. Lord, we... We wouldn't know a lot about you if you hadn't given us your word. We still don't know everything about you. You are God. You are so much beyond all that we can fully know and understand. But Lord, praise God, we know so much about you because you've revealed it to us in your word. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have a reliable source that we can go to every day to get in touch with you and to give us that guidance and direction we need for our lives. Thank you for the solid foundation of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.